reaches down and touches me. Such a good presence, worship, singing this morning. Welcome to the house of the Lord. Sunday morning, something says, beats inside and says, I need to be there. I need to hear from you, Lord. You happy to do that this morning? Amen. We want to welcome you all. Want to just bring greetings. Um, just from, we want to just greet everyone that's a visitor here today from our church here. We've got one service today. Um, because of the memorial this afternoon, and as our, my father-in-law already said, thank you to you all. So we want to make much of the presence of God this morning. I really appreciated all the specials today. Oh my, God bless you. Thank you to our musicians and all the specials. What would we do? Amen. Amen. This morning we had our first Sunday school of the year, and uh, we had our classes, so um, we're, we're trying to be supportive as much as we can, children, parents, ministry as a church. Um, some of your children would have had a letter that would come home, and others will be getting that yet, but uh, Brother Andrew Dodd will be acting as a Sunday school coordinator this year and helping you all, and if you have things, we want to make it as much a contribution, and we thank our teachers. We have several new teachers this year. We thank those that have served, those that are serving, and we just want to make this wonderful and uh, keep moving on. So we, we just ask that you support that and help them, and we've given some instructions on the letter so you can follow that as much as possible. Amen. We also want to say we've had Brother Ovidio here for the last uh, number of months from Guatemala. Brother Ovidio has been here, his daughter is here, and, and we've, he's been sitting in the back there and he spoke for us once, he's gone out and he spoke in Saskatoon Tabernacle as well, but he'll be leaving to go home later this week, I believe on Friday, he'll be going back to his home country, and before he leaves we want to ask him to come and greet the people, that'll be this Wednesday, so he's going to greet the people and speak for us on Wednesday, but if you have a chance to shake our brother's hand and, you know, just say glory adios or something in Spanish to him, I'm sure he'd be happy to hear that. But we're happy to have you here, Brother Ovidio, Sister Miriam. God bless you both. May God prosper you as, as you'll be going back home. We want to welcome our brother Stephen this morning. We have one service today. We want to make much of it. So we, we yesterday, our brother spoke on constructing the city of refuge. Brother Ray sang, you are my refuge. Christ is our refuge. And even David, David, when he fell in Psalms 51, and, you know, it's amazing how the prayer was, and, you know, he comes to the conclusion of his prayer, and he says, do thy good pleasure in Zion. Build the walls of Jerusalem. So build that which has fallen, that which is not there anymore. We want to have our refuge in him. This morning, as we welcome our brother Stephen, we just ask you, pull on the word. I believe God will bless us. We want to have our liberty. Welcome and receive the word. You say amen to it. It'll be a blessing. Let's sing this morning, some glad morning. Hallelujah. We haven't sing that often, but we need to sing it again. 
seated so I want to greet you once again in the precious name of our Lord Jesus Christ and uh, believing that the Lord has given us grace to be back in the house of the Lord this morning amen I have heard that uh, uh, brother Ed's mom is in the house and it's a blessing for me to have an opportunity preach to her this morning and uh, I trust the Lord will be gracious to us all. Amen. Amen. Um, just before I, uh, you know, begin the service today, I just wanted to have a few moments and just speak about what we do back at home. Uh, back at home, we are involved in quite a bit of uh, aggressive evangelism. Yeah, because in the most recent years, it looked like we, the message believers, believe that evangelism should only circle around our children. Right. And <laughs> we don't go out where they are. But uh, Brother Branham quotes, or I mean Osborne, and he says, no man has got a right to hear the gospel twice when there are some who have never had nothing before. Yeah. So we try the best we can. And uh, you know, all of us, we get to a point and we get awakened to something. You know, um, we've got a brother that, I think Brother Fred was here one time. Yeah. Uh, brother Fred started going out and uh, uh, getting invitations in uh, denominational churches. And he would go out there and preach. Many people would get baptized, believe, and so on. So uh, Brother Tim Dodd was involved a little more with him. And, you know, when he came and visited him, he found quite a whole bunch of people. And he says, Brother Stephen, this is too much for Fred. 
Can you try to help him? You know, I was like the old school. You know, the old school believes we are separated from organization, so we have nothing to do with them. The old school believes even if they open the door for you to preach, you shouldn't go there. <laughs> because <laughs> that's how people seem to look at it. But uh, it was uh, uh, a very big challenge to me, and I said, well, I'll do the best I can, and uh, I'll make myself available. So we started with uh, the group that has spilled into my area. And uh, we started organizing ministers' classes, because these men, you know, Pentecost, they've got totally nothing that they are really standing on. And if you go in with the word brother, most of those people in there, they are in those churches, not because they want to be Pentecostals. They are in those churches because they want to go to heaven. Yeah. So when you get in there and show them the better way, you'll find out that you are going to really have a very great appeal upon those people. Sometimes, you know, we judge the people without listening to them. You know, the, the Pharisees said, does our law judge a man without first listening to him? So we judge them, we've not listened to them. Uh, they become many times uh, references on our pulpits, but we do very little to help them come out of the situation. So we decided I joined into the fray and uh, uh, we started going out back and forth. And, uh, you know, before COVID, it's just the Lord who was gracious that uh, COVID came. And uh, I had some kind of a stop. Otherwise, it was going to be a breaking speed. You know, Brother Tim came one time and uh, the people gathered about 5,000 at our local church. You know, and these people have just freshly heard the word. You know, we go preach out there and, you know, we start organizing ministers' classes among them every Thursday. They are ministers who come to this message. Amen. And uh, some of them uh, lose some of their people. You know, but you know that shows they've believed. You know, they don't care who goes. And some of them belong to organizational structures. So once they believe, they are put out of their churches. But uh, then we do the best we can. And uh, we've distributed books and uh, given them church books. And uh, Brother Ed, I tell you that these people are feeding on this message. You know, and one time uh, we had... Uh, our big meeting because once a month we get uh, hundreds of them, hundreds, about 1,000 together, you know, and then in different regions. And we uh, speak to them the deeper things of the world. So I was taking the subject of Saul, a man who found God on the way to Damascus, and he was breathing threatenings against the disciples. You know, when God met him, God stopped him. You know, then God told Ananias that go and pray for that man. Ananias says, no way. 
This man has been going everywhere, killing the disciples, locking them in jail, you know? So I said, you people who are believing now are in the same kind of bracket like a soul was. You see, you've come to a spot where you've come from, they don't need you. And where you're going, they don't believe you. This is what is happening. The people don't believe that the people believe. And they are believers, but they don't believe that people believe. So we have come to a point where we believe that this message is personal to us and nobody else. So, you know, people believe when you go out there and they open a denomination or pulpit, then you are compromising on the word. But I think we are not. We've done the best we, are, we can, and uh, the Lord has really opened very wide doors. You know, they used to have a lot of propaganda, you know, about the message of the hour. They say, oh, those people don't preach the Bible. They just, you know, read Brother Branham's books in their churches. God has given us grace. We now broadcast our services on radio, so those lies are burnt out. They say, Brother Branham never preached Christ. We've got now the message airing out on radio, and that one also is completely ironed out. And uh, the Lord has really been gracious. He has been doing uh, unbelievable things. Amen. Uh, Brother Ed was in one of the wings, and uh, I'm sure that he came back and testified about what God is doing. So many people say it is impossible. Yes, just because you've not tried. <laughs> just because you've not tried. <laughs> You know, but go out. The people are hungry. We want to go out of here, but we must get the last elected one before we can go out of here. Amen. And so that's what we are doing back home. And uh, next time, maybe when the brother comes, uh, we shall take him to different places and you'll enjoy being, you know, in the country. Praise the Lord. Amen. You see, today when I was really considering coming to church, um, I remembered something which happened uh, just after we had had dinner at home. My wife had moved into the room and uh, I was going and uh, just right there on table, something special opened up for me. And I walked to my wife in the bedroom. I said, my God, with what God has revealed to me, Sunday is going to be a very precious day. And I said, I just want to go and rest so that I wake up very early in the morning and work on that subject. You see, when I went to bed waking up, I knew nothing. It had gone up to now. It's quite about uh, a number of years. I try always to press and get in there. The door closed. So I understand why God told Brother Branham, pick up your pen and write. <laughs> so sometimes when we are traveling with my wife 
I tell her, write this statement down. So we are driving and she's writing down. You know, pick up your pen and write. You know? So I, I learned from that time and uh, sometimes you come to the pulpit and then you are struggling. You really don't know what path you want to take. You know, you really feel like you should say something that is going to benefit the people. But sometimes you get into a channel and the people are not in that channel sometimes. You know, so I was telling the church back home that the person who comes to church is not this man here. Because once you bring this man in the church and you don't allow the soul the gene that come from God to participate in the service. You'll be in the church and you'll be thinking about your bills. You'll be thinking about your deals and all kinds of stuff. But you've been to church and it's come a tradition that, okay, Sunday morning the program is this and Wednesday night the program is this, but we need to come to church by that inner man. Amen. It's very interesting that if we can break into that circuit, I trust that every service becomes a blessing. You know, when you come to church, you know, you know when you're really prayed up and uh, you are open, you know, your, your, your gene seed is, you know, you prayed up and uh, because that's what God speaks to. You'll find out that when a preacher is preaching, you'll be able to understand even what he has not said. Yes. <laughs> you'll turn out and say, Brother Stephen, did you mean this? You say, yeah, I failed just to bring it out, but that's what I meant. You see, because we are given supernatural revelation, but then we communicate that with a human language which is limited. Amen. So uh, that's why we really need to come to church prayed up and expecting because Brother Branham says whatever you expect is what you get. Yeah. Amen. So sometimes when we really talk about uh, a great service, we are thinking about charisma and, uh, you know, a moving service. Sometimes that's the way we, we come to church and we said the brother was very vibrant this morning. He gave us a very wonderful service. And then it makes you happy and you get excited. But you know, the Corinthian church, that's what they were looking for. Then they would say, I'm of Apollos, I'm of Cephas, I'm of Paul. They wanted a certain form of delivery. And so you find that in church, people are so much open to brother so-and-so, but not so much of brother so-and-so. Yeah, because they've got what they want to hear things. But if only we could come to church when we are surrendered and saying, Lord, won't you speak to me? Amen. Amen. You know, when you look at the letters of Paul, you know Paul is the most effective apostle we have had, actually was the apostle that laid the foundation for the Gentile church. Amen. But the Corinthians were always complaining about him. You know, they said his letters are weighty and powerful, but his bodily presence is weak and his speech contemptible. What blessed the people? Yeah, then what blessed the people? 
You see? Because, you know, Paul always says that you are our epistle written, you know, from our heart. So it was actually a heart-to-heart fellowship. Once I speak from my heart, you receive from your heart, then God can communicate in a supernatural way. You know? And that's all. That's what the ministry is all about. It's not how powerful one can present himself. It's not. It's actually the ability to bring out the conviction of the Holy Spirit to the people. And if the people are in the Spirit and they receive that same feel, you know, I, I mean, it moves. You know, it moves a person into greater height in his faith. Amen. So just pray for me this morning. And um, I've been in those struggles. I've just been encouraged by uh, Brother Ed this morning while we're in the office. Uh, You know, you, you got a channel to go to, but then God tells you this is the way. Walk in it. What do you do? Okay. So just remember me in prayer. Let's stand up and have a word of prayer. As we turn to the book of Revelations chapter 8. Praise the Lord. If there is anybody who needs prayer this morning, it's me. <laughs> I remember Brother Harold used to tell me that the hardest for me, Brother Stephen, to preach. I said, yes, brother. He says, is how to open and how to close. <laughs> And it's the same for every uh, minister, I believe, Brother Ed. You know, that foundation to get the people into what you want to say, that's sometimes a very difficult thing. And how you wind up to make yourself relevant, that's where we need the Lord to help us. And always pray for us. Let's bow heads now to prayer before we read. Precious Heavenly Father, we come before your presence. Knowing that we are limited, but Father, when we present ourselves as vessels of service, Father, you've got a way you take over from us. Lord, I just pray that you may make me relevant to your people. Father, that you may take my folk out is Lord, and even the way the body moves, Father, that the people may hear what I have not said because they get locked up into the same anointing and same channel. I pray, Father, that your word may become life for the people and bless them in a special way. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So, Revelation chapter 8, verse 1. He says, And when he had opened the seventh seal, there was silence in heaven, about the space of half an hour. Now, the scripture doesn't say when he opens, but rather when he opened. Verse 2. And I saw the seven angels which stood before God, and to them were given seven trumpets. And another angel came and stood at the altar, having a golden censer. And there was given unto him much incense, 
that he should offer it with the prayers of all the saints upon the golden altar which was before the throne. Let's add verse 4 also. And the smoke of the incense which came with the prayers of the saints ascended up before God out of the angel's hand. May the Lord that bless in the reading of his word. You may be seated. Now, if we can take the foundation of it, you know, uh, I want to speak on the angel at the altar. The angel at the altar. Now, in verse 1 here, the scripture says, when he opened the seventh seal. You see, God speaks from the angle of a finished work. Right. Yeah. Here on earth, we are debating, is the seventh seal open? Is it closed? Is it what? And all kinds of debates. But the scripture says, when he opened the seventh seal. So John had been in the preview of it all. Amen. You know, he had been told, come up hither and I'll show you things that will be hereafter. Because God normally works from the angle of a finished work. Just like we can see the ministry of Isaiah the prophet, he says, unto us a son is born. But natural at that time, in the natural aspect, there was nothing like a son that was born. He says he was despised and we esteemed him not. He carried our sorrows. He was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him. That was Isaiah. He was looking at things from the angle of a finished work. And that's why God, when he starts something, it means it cannot fail until it has accomplished the purpose. You see? So, you know, the scripture normally would teach us many ways that God would call Abraham, Abraham, meaning father of many nations, even before he has seen a child. He says, he sees things that are not as though they are. And he says, thou art Peter, and upon this rock I'll build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. But look at the mistakes that Peter made from there on. Just a few verses down here, he says, get thee behind me, Satan. But yet God, according to his predestinated view, he's seeing a Peter. He's seeing a man who has got a revelation. He's seeing a man whose name has been changed. You see, you know, God says in the book of Hebrews, he says, As I've sworn in my wrath, if they shall enter into my rest, although the works were finished from the foundation of the world. 
Amen. That's the way God works. Brother Branham says it looks like in Genesis chapter 1, God would speak some and then it happens, then it comes the second day, then it happens. He says, no, that's not the way God did. He says he spoke everything and then he rested. It was in a prophetic format that after I spoke, that which was ordained for day one came to pass. Then that which was ordained for day two came to pass. And all through like that, but he spoke and then rested. Meaning that God's word about you never fails. It doesn't matter how much upheaval you go through, but the word that God has spoken about you can never fail. He says there will be a bride, it will never fail. He says that you are predestinated for eternal life, it cannot fail. Amen. So that's the way God works. He puts things in the vocabulary of men, but then later he assures us as candidates in the finished work. Amen. And when he had opened the seventh seal. So where's the debate about it then? Is it open? Is it closed? He says, when he opened the seventh seal and John had gone through the preview already, so John is reporting what God has already done. Amen. Amen. So man, let's go back and re-look at this very well. That man before the fall enjoyed fellowship with God. And God always visited him in the cool of the day. They had an evening time fellowship. And then God would talk to his son, Adam. And then Adam would maybe report back about the transactions of the day. And then the father would instruct him again on how he was going to handle the following day. And that's how we're supposed to walk with God. You see, many times people get into this message and they want to have all the answers before they begin. But that's not the way God works. Even when he's bringing the children of Israel out of Egypt, it was one day at a time. And we are going to walk according to the same process that God is going to work with us one day at a time. And so in the evening, we go back and we thank God and we say, Father, we thank you for today you have helped me to overcome this and you have helped me to overcome this, but I've got this other problem here. I've not overcome my drugs. I've got this other problem here. I've not overcome my temper. And then God knows what he's going to give you victory for. You see, you know that's the way God works. There must always be something that will make you have an incentive with God. Amen. So, but then when sin came in, Adam lost that fellowship. Adam pulled back because of sin. Because the next day God comes down here and he's in the tabernacle. He says, Adam, Adam, where are you? 
It's not God who failed Adam. It's Adam who failed on his commitment with God. Amen. But then God was determined to bridge that gap by a blood redemption. Amen. So in the fall, man had so much lost ground. Let me tell you, friends, we may really think that we are up to, you know, the task sometimes, and you really think God has called you to a particular uh, uh, ministry or he has called you to a certain uh, uh, vocation of some kind. And then sometimes when you are working together with the brotherhood, everything seems to be very well and it's going on. And then after some time, you choose a long walk. And yet God has called us to a body walk. You know, you look at it from this angle. You're not the prodigal son. He was very industrious on his father's farm. He was the guy that made the farm prosper. And then he began to trust him so much. And then he also trusted in himself so much. And then it came to a time when he started saying, I can work in isolation. I can walk alone. I'm going to become my father's competitor. Father, give me what belongs to me. And he got what belonged to him and then walked away from the father. When he walked away from the father, that's when he realized that his success was his submission. Yeah, because day on and day on, the father would give him more advice and uh, would caution him back and forth. But when you go out in solitary, you know, you may not really be able to get the kind of support that you would need from the body. You see, if this message which we believe was just about knowledge, then you listening to the tape would be enough. But it's not. God has called us to a body. <laughs> you understand what I mean? So we come together because every one of us is a portion of God. You know? And when we come together, there is more of God in action that we bring together. So when you go by yourself, there are many other contributions of the body that you do not realize. Now, looking back, because we are going down here with Adam, Adam walked away, amen, because of sin. And then because of that, amen, he failed to uh, come to accomplishing his uh, uh, task as God had given it to him. And you know, Adam, at that particular point, he thought that I think I can fix this by myself. Sometimes we go into situations and then we start trusting ourselves 
I think I can fix it. The more you say I can fix it, is the worse it eats you up. In some of our families, pastor, I thought we could fix it. Now the sister is calling you and it's late. That was Adam. He says, I'll just get these fig leaves and I'll cover the nakedness. But that was not enough. (laughs) He tried to fix it. And this method has since been the attempt of man to restore broken fellowship. He always says, I think I can fix it. There is a problem in the family. I think I can fix it. But you see, Adam couldn't fix it. It almost worked like it is okay. And you know when the sun come forth so hot, those wall leaves broke apart at the first step. Because he stretched them too far, each step he took, and those leaves completely broke, and he was back into the same condition. You see, friends, if we have a problem, we should always be honest and say, I have a problem, I need help. (laughs) Because what would Adam do to redeem himself from the condition? Because the wages of sin is death. Amen? So it was the blood Listen now, in the fall, when Eve provided her ovum to grow the seed of the serpent, there's no way they could reverse that. It was a blood mix that Eve did, but then the temporal remedy was the natural blood of the lamb to temporarily cover the condition until the Lord Jesus Christ comes. But then here's Adam thinking, I think I can do something to really put it right. But then, you know, when God came down into the garden and they had committed that kind of condition, God says man here, he's always trying to save himself. When God gives him grace, he feels it's not enough for him. He'll try to get some works around it to merit. That's the problem of man. So God had to drive him out because man was determined to go back to the tree of life without the shed blood of the lamb to clean him from the condition. Amen. You know, the scripture says he placed at the east of the garden of Eden cherubims and a flaming sword which turned every way to keep the way of the tree of life. That's the nature of man. I'll fix it. He failed to fix it there. He still wants to get fellowship with God. And then he says, okay, we shall try the Tower of Babel. He's trying to fix it. Then he comes to the attempt, you know, to tighten the law, thinking it would provide the remedy, but it just produced religious debates. 
the Pharisees against the Sadducees and the scribes. He's always trying to fix it. You know, then came the New Testament theological schools. Man has always had an idea. But God's way is the best. (laughs) And you know, God in his grace had prophesied way back in the Garden of Eden when he brought that lamb out and, you know, dressed them with sheepskin. He was prophesying for a day when the Lamb of God will come and atone for the condition that was in the Garden of Eden. So through the Old Testament, the blood of bulls made provision doors of fellowship with God, but only through shadows of his presence. They never literally brought these men before the presence. Amen? It only covered and brought some kind of, a, a, you know, a link of faith to connect man to God. So, Brother Branham in questions and answers on the Holy Ghost says, blood of bulls and goats would not let him fellowship with man again. But through laws and ordinances foreshadowing this time coming. So, the sin of man had to be dealt with by the blood of Christ first. Amen? In order to restore divine fellowship. And what comes out of that blood is a life. And when this life here comes, it's the life of God himself. That comes and takes over the nature that fails. And that's the life from under the blood that God fellowships with. Praise the Lord. Hope I become a bit understood as we go forth. So the sin of man had to be dealt with by the blood of Jesus. That's why he says that we get the boldness to enter into the holiest by the blood of Jesus. Amen. And so after applying the blood at Calvary, the church then has to grow through phases to fully restore the fellowship that Adam lost by sin. So man goes through a process of growth. Amen. So, you just don't come and say, now, I've been washed by the blood of Jesus, then that's all. You have to grow. You have to come through justification. Amen. For God to fully justify you as though you never did it in the first place. And then he has to put you into the word. And by placing in the word, he's placing you under his sanctification. And this is a continuous process. Day in and day out, God is justifying you. God is uh, sanctifying you. Because sometimes we think that after he has just fried me here, oh, then that's a process which is past. But then, 
You see, sometimes you are going to go through situations. And if you have passed the stage of sanctification, I mean justification, how can you be sanctified? And then after you are sanctified, then not justified, it can't be possible. Which means that God carries all this together with him. Justification is continuous. Sanctification is continuous. Amen. And then this brings us into bath. That bath there is a particular life that comes down here. And that's the life that can fellowship with God. Amen. Amen. Yeah, because you are born again, you become a son. You are now a manifested son. From a gene seed, now you're born, you are manifested, you can now have fellowship with your father. God be gracious. He says here in 1 Peter chapter 1 verse 8, if we can look at that. Amen. We need to grow through a process, friends. Even if we've been washed by the blood of Jesus, you go through a process to be restored finally in the kind of fellowship that Adam lost in the garden. At this present moment, the scripture testifies and he says, whom having not seen, ye love. In whom though now ye seem not, yet believing, ye rejoice with joy unspeakable and full of glory. We have not seen him, but there is something in there that connects us to that reality. So, you know, it is something that you cannot explain, but as a child of God, it tells you what is truth and what's not. Some of the things you never heard them before, but when you hear them, that life on the inside will tell you that is God. And when you hear this, the life on the inside will tell you, I cannot explain it, but that is not God. You see, and the brother Branham says, we haven't seen him, but we have felt him. Every born child of God has that life on the inside. Life is a manifestation. Amen? We know him as much as our limiting senses can let us. But one day, it will be first to first. That's this age. He is coming at the end of this age. Partial realization will be made. Perfect realization. Completed realization. Meaning we are in a process. We are growing back into where we fell from. So what we are touching now by the eye of faith must devolve into reality one day. That one day once again, we shall see him as he is. Amen? You know, we shall come to a time where we need no faith no more. Because faith is just linking us by way of a dimension. 
so that we can be able to touch God. But one of these days, these dimensions will not be anymore. So you will not need that faith dimension. You will not need the visions because you will be in the reality. That's what we are growing into. We shall step into the like vision that John, Peter, and James were taken up into the mountain apart in Matthew chapter 17. When Jesus took away, amen, his jacket of the natural body and allowed them to see him beyond the veil. That's what we are growing ourselves into. The fellowship will be the restoration of Eden, and this is going to be actualized in the millennium. And right now, the bride is growing into that, restoring everything that we had lost by the fall of Adam. And at that time, we shall be like him. Are you together with me? All that we lost must be restored through the ages and is restored as rewards. He that overcometh will I grant. And you know God has been bringing all these rewards down to the age, through the ages. Amen. You know like when you study the seven church ages, there are certain things that are striking in that book. You find out that when the first church age begins, they were given an incentive. He that overcomes. So the reward of the first believers of the age was enjoyed in the second age. And whatever reward came was never pulled back. So through the seven church ages, the church is growing back into that reality. Amen? That's why the incentive to the last church age is a throne. That's right. Amen. So when we overcome all that which we have received as reality in our inner man is going to burst these physical bodies and we shall see him as he is. Brother Branham says, each message to each age holds out an incentive to the believer, encouraging him to be an overcomer and thereby be rewarded of the Lord. So, and the last incentive, as I said, is a throne. He that overcometh will I grant to sit with me. How can there be a throne unless there is a restoration of the kingdom? So we have come to the end of the journey. And this is the age that sees the fullness of adoption. Romans chapter 8 verse 3 says, And not only they, listen the way Paul is putting it, but ourselves also, which have the first fruits of the Spirit, which is that quickening power. Even we ourselves grown within ourselves, waiting for the adoption to wit the redemption of our body. Amen. What a day that shall be. Amen. 
When we witness the change of our bodies, the adoption to wit the change of our bodies, he says that's not what we are waiting for. Beloved, now are we, not shall we, but are we the sons of God? We are, but now we are trusting into another dimension which takes us beyond the curtains of time. These bodies will be changed in the twinkling of an eye. Are you together with me? He says, now are we the sons of God, and it does not yet appear what we shall be, but we know that when he shall appear, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. We shall be like him. We shall be fully restored. Like Adam was before the fall, that's where we are maturing back into. We shall break into dimension, and it shall be flesh of his flesh, bone of his bone, spirit of his spirit. The fellowship which had been broken, and now we were just having faith by, I mean, we're having fellowship by faith contact. It will go above that, and one of these days, we shall see him as he is. Amen. Amen. Listen to this powerful scripture here. Praise the Lord. (laughs) You know, at the time the bride will stand before him, (laughs) sharing to the half of his kingdom. Are you together with me? It's like Esther. Esther did not know that she actually had the privilege to enter into the king's chamber. But when the circumstances that were trying to gather up as a storm, Esther decided to step in there. And then she discovered, oh, I've always had favor with the king. And when we see all the storms and circumstances that are gathering here on earth now, and all these diseases, the woes and the turmoil, these things here are giving the bride, Esther, the momentum to step into the king chamber. Praise the Lord. And you know, listen to this confession of John. In 1 John 4, 17, he says, Herein is our love made perfect that we may have boldness in the day of judgment, because as he is, so are we in this world. Listen, that's very powerful. As he is, so are we in this world. So right now, his perfect love is spreading his cut over us for that purpose. Amen? Yes, sir. After all, John says, as he is, so are we. The only thing that makes us different from him is this body which we have. It has not been changed yet. But the inner man, as he is, so are we. We've got the first portion of the double portion. As he is, so are we in this world. So after all the seven church ages have come through, the first thing is God to gather his bride. 
We have been seeing those ages come, and the ages were posting. The first church age, the overcomers were posted to the next age. Then the overcomers began the second age. Then they are posted to the third age. Then they began the third age. They are gathering the life that had been lost. And then the seventh church age, we've been given the grace that God has got a door that he opens. And then we get into what Brother Branham calls into the breach. And this breach here is a preparation place where he's preparing his bride for the final takeoff. Amen. And this breach here is Revelation 4 and 5. And the purpose here is to give us the revelation of redemption because we need it before our body change. We need the boldness to enter into the holiest by the blood of Jesus. John has always been redeemed, but then he lacked the boldness to enter. Because the revelation had not broken yet. And yet he was redeemed. He was a son of God. He was a child of God. But then when he was told to come up hither, he got before the throne and he couldn't even join into the worship. He was at the perimeters. He required revelation, and therefore, Revelation chapter 4, Revelation chapter 5, Brother Branham says, that is the breach where God is now putting us to break the revelation of redemption to us that we may have the boldness to enter into the worship. Amen. Amen. So, and that revelation comes by the opening of the seventh seal. That's why he says, when he opened the seventh seal. Amen. So, out of Laodicea, we are ushered into bright age, where Christ makes himself known to the bride. Where he comes up here into an invisible union. Where I and him become one. Where Brother Branham says that the bride is the fullness of the Godhead bodily. Right now, praise Lord. Amen. You know, we are invited into a higher octave of revelation. We are not anymore in the Laodicean church age. We have had a calling out. We may be in the time frame, but we have been called to a higher octave. Amen. Praise the Lord. So we are called to a high octave. Come up hither. And the purpose here is I'll show you things that will be hereafter. We are called into prophetic season to catch up with what God has done. And then John says, I was in the spirit. He's not saying that I was in the change of my body. No. He was still in this body, but the inner man here had taken a higher dimension of relationship with God. So come up here. God is calling us into a channel where he wants to communicate with us. 
You see, this message here comes to a point where it's more than just the understanding of it. It is supposed to create a life and we must go alive in that life before our body change. It is right here in the bridge, and we know that John represents the bride. It's right here where John is introduced to the throne. And he that sat on was to look upon like jasper and sardine stone. And there was a rainbow round about the throne in the sight uh, like an emerald. So the rainbow was round about. The other part was already revealed. <laughs> he says it's round about. And Brother Branham says the other part has been told. We are now in the revelation of what God has done for us. Sometimes we kind of come up and say, the mystery of this and that, the mystery of this and that. But today I want to say, we are in the revelation of this and that, the revelation of this and that. Amen? We are now standing in prophetic revelation, the things that John saw, you know, which were prophetic to him. He had now stood right in the center of the fulfillment of prophecy. And this is where the bride is standing today. That's why we are not showing mysteries. We are in this day, this scripture is fulfilled. We have come to the season of realization. Amen. So Revelation 5, God who is rich in mercy allowed the bridge to give John the revelation of redemption. And in this is where we are standing tonight. Amen. We are in that season and there is no age that has ever understood redemption like this age that we are in. Amen. Amen. He saw the revelation of the finished work. He saw the lamb that had been slain. So the breaking of the seals is the revealing of a finished work. So John is called, come and see. Come and be part of this. Amen. So before the revelation of the finished work, there was worship around the throne. But John could not join the worship because the redemption was not fully revealed to him. He had not seen the name in the book. Let me tell you, friends, we are here because our names were in the Lamb's book of life. That's why we are here. But then we must also know that we are here because our names were in the book, but many of us could not have the revelation that our names are in the Lamb's book of life. The moment you catch that revelation, it changes your life. John was part of the economy of God from before the foundation of the world. But John needed to get a revelation of who he was. And this is why the ministry labors, so that you may catch a revelation of who you are. 
And the moment you catch a revelation of who we are, brother, it even changes the way God deals with your life. You know, it completely changed. He was living a life, but he was not fully aware of the driving force that was behind the way he walked. Many of us are believers. And then, honestly, we cannot go to a nightclub, we cannot go to a bar, but then we need to catch a revelation of the driving force behind that. That we are totally in contact with the Spirit of God that moves us. The dynamics itself that drives our mechanics. Sometimes we come to understand or think that you are not doing this because the Scripture tells you this. The Scripture reveals to you. But you do not do those things because you read the Bible. You do those things and you act the way you act because behind you there is a driving life. That is driving you. You would have desired to go in certain places, but like somebody is telling you no. You are in association with the supernatural world. And John, even, you know, he had all kinds of different testimonies. And he says, he that, you know, we touched, he that we, we ate with, he that, you know, in First John chapter 1. Right. He had a natural relationship. And he was even proud about how the Lord loved him. He comes to a war, chapter 15, I think it is, and he's not mentioning his name. He says, and the disciple whom the Lord loved, and the disciple whom the Lord loved. He refers to himself like that. But this was higher than that. The moment that revelation breaks, it connects you to revelation. Look at Martha and Mary. They were always with Christ. But after the death of, uh, uh, after the death of their brother Lazarus, and Jesus coming and meeting her out there in the garden, he says, if you were not, if you're here, my brother wouldn't have died. He says, no, I'm the resurrection and the life. He says, I know that, yeah, in the resurrection, but as that the, you know, discourse went further, Martha said something. I mean, Jesus said something. And then Martha says, I know. Thou art the son of God. He broke into that circuit. And immediately Martha said that. Jesus says, let us go. The revelation that brings revelation, I mean, the resurrection had hit Martha. And Jesus says, let's go now. All of us, there is such a love of God we have to the extent that we can even give an eye for one another if necessary. But we need the revelation of that power 
that pushes the body. Yeah. Praise the Lord. You see, it was not revealed to him. And in Revelation chapter 4, you know, he had come through the sea of glass. And that scene had been judged at Calvary. But here he was, standing right there. But Revelation 5 revealed to John the finished work of Calvary. And this brought him at the center of divine worship. When he knew, yes, it is the blood. Yes, it's the lamb. And this is where God is putting us. To give us a revelation of who he is. And then, therefore, a revelation of who you are. Two things here. A revelation of who he is. And a revelation of who you are. Is stored around here. In the bridge. He calls out of Laodicea and says, come here. You can never get married to a man you don't know. You can never marry, you know, a woman you don't know. Jesus here is revealing himself as a bridegroom to a chosen people. At the opening of the seven seals, he says, I'll now not call you church. I'll call you bride. Amen. Amen. So, you know, until you see your name in the Lamb's book of life, you cannot have the courage to worship. You live a life of fear. You can never be sure whether you are redeemed or you're not. You keep thinking that your redemption is a doctrine. Therefore, if a different approach is brought to you, you run that way because you don't understand the person. You don't understand the person. That was John. He needed a deeper understanding and revelation of this Christ. Listen now, Revelation 5 and verse 5. Now, John has come to the spot of Christ making himself known to him. Verse 5, Revelation 5. And one of the elders says unto me, Weep not. Some of us are weeping. We are not sure of who we are. Honestly, we know we are saved just like John knew. But there must be a deeper revelation that comes from the Father. Where he says flesh and blood has not revealed this to you. Something that goes deeper than what I, your pastor, can teach you. You have heard from your theophany. God has spoken to you. It's deeper than what we can be able to explain behind this holy desk. It's a relationship. It's a contact. So John is taken to a higher level than all his testament. I mean, testimonies that he gave before. 
He says, and one of the elders says unto me, Weep not, behold, the land of the tribe of Judah, the root of David, has prevailed to open the book and to lose the seals thereof. And I beheld and lo, in the midst of the throne, and out of the four beasts, and in the midst of the uh, elders stood a lamb as it had been slain, having seven horns and seven eyes, which are the seven spirits of God sent from forth into all the world. So John receives the revelation of a finished work of Calvary. He says, Oh, I am here because of the Lamb of Calvary. The entire plan of redemption is now open to him. And he came and took the book out of the right hand of him that sat upon the throne. John then joined the heavenly host in worship. Because the moment he saw his name and then he understood that I'm not in this because of a church. It is I and Christ come together. I'm a portion of that God. He's my father. Are you together with me? He's my redeemer. He's my all in all. He broke into a sense of realization of the divine love that took Christ upon Calvary. That's when he lifted up his hands and he began to worship. And every creature which is in heaven and on the earth and under the earth and such as were under the sea and all that were in them had I blessing and honor and glory and power be unto him that sitteth upon the throne unto the Lamb forever and ever. Amen. Amen. And the beast joined in and said, Amen. And the 420 elders fell down and washed him that liveth forever and ever. He joined in the heavenly throng. When he discovered who he is, he found out that actually, let be what be. Now I'm a candidate of the realization of eternal life. If heaven opens up, I'm welcome before the throne of my father. He joins in the worship. Now, I want just about 15, 20 minutes. Now, this may be misunderstood, but it is Christ that opens the seals off of the book of redemption. So that's why he steps forth as a lamb. Brother Branham, in the British message, he says, And when the seventh seal is broken, the mystery of God that is sealed in those seals is finished. Now the question is, how could we know what's in the first seal if the seventh is not revealed? That's why the angels, I mean, John says, when he opened the seventh seal. How could we know? Because God was dealing with scrolls. And so there had to be a scroll. And at the end of a scroll, there was a seal. 
Then we get the second road over the first. Then the third road over the second. Until we get the seven. So for us to get back to the bottom, we break the seventh in order to release the rest. And it takes the seventh seal to release the plan of redemption. That's what it is. We are dealing with the seventh seal when we deal with this message. So the question of, is it open? Is it not? The seventh seal is already broken. Amen. Now, he takes 1 Thessalonians 4.16 and he says, For the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout. The Lord himself. Now, the word himself is now talking about that Elohim, that Logos, that spirit body. He says himself. Not now Jesus Christ, but Christ. Technical words now. That spirit being, he comes down in 1 Thessalonians 4.16 to bring down the shout, to break the seals. Amen. He doesn't have his glorified body yet. The Lord himself, a spirit being, stepping out to break the seals off of the book. And he does this before the body change. So, in Revelation chapter 8, verse 1, we are just trying to cap up here. And when he had opened the seventh seal, he opened. (laughs) Praise the Lord. There was silence in heaven about the space of half an hour. There was silence in heaven because the lamb had taken a step to lose the seals here on earth. The activity was on earth. This is where the activity was. Heaven was hushed up. They couldn't let this mystery go out. Listen now. Brother Branham says, And the four and twenty elders that stood before God, they are happy with their harps. They quit playing their harps. The angels hushed. They are singing in heaven. Think, the holy cherubims and seraphims that Isaiah saw in the temple with the three sets of wings flying day and night. They are before God saying, Holy, holy, holy is Lord God Almighty. And when... He walked in and came into the temple. The posts of the temple moved with their posts. And these holy seraphims hushed. All angels quit singing, flying in the presence of God, singing, holy, holy, holy. They shut up. The angels singing, no praises, no altar service, no nothing. There was silence, hush, deadly silence in heaven for half a full, I mean, half. Uh, an hour. And the host of heaven was silent for this half hour when the seventh seal mystery in the book of redemption was broke open. Think of it, but it is broke. The lamb breaks it. You know what? They were held by it. They didn't know there was, they just stopped. Then he says, what is it? 
This seal, the seventh seal, is the end time message. It is Christ bringing down the shout. This seal is the lamb opening the book of redemption. This seal holds the mystery of the coming of the Lord. So now about this seal here is broke. But as it's broke, it is some of it is in past tense. Some of it is in the present tense. And some of it is in the future because it rolls beyond the Gentile dispensation to the winding up of time. So the seventh seal breaks forth in a process. It's like the first coming of Christ also broke down before us in a process. You cannot say it was the birth in the manger. It was more than that. You cannot say it was the ministry of Christ on earth. It was more than that. You cannot say it was the resurrection. It was more than that. You cannot say, you know, because the fullness of it is when the Holy Ghost came down. So the whole process of the first coming acclimatized or climaxed at the baptism of the Holy Spirit that the Lord has come and he has found where to lay his head. Even the second coming, this seal here, breaks forth in a process. Amen? And I saw seven angels which stood before God and to them were given seven trumpets and another angel. (laughs) Praise the Lord. Seven angels and another angel. So, our concern is that angel. Seven angels and that another angel. So, let us look at the qualities of this other angel, the angel at the altar. This is where we are friends. We are not in just kind of fellowship of man to man. We are in a fellowship of gene to gene. It's only fellowship of those that come from God before the foundation of the world. This is a divine fellowship, brother. Amen? Yes, sir. It's not some kind of man whose names are not there in the Lamb's book of life. When this begins to happen, those ones will walk out. They don't understand it. When the promise was almost coming, Lord had to walk away, doesn't understand it. But we, ourselves, we know who we are, we know where we come from, and we know what this message is doing to us. Praise the Lord. So let us look at the qualities of this angel. The Bible says that this angel stood at the altar to receive the prayers of the saints. Can there be any other angel to receive the prayers of the saints but the angel of the covenant himself? The Lord Jesus Christ? (laughs) Praise the Lord. You see, the seal was broken. 
The names are called out. Praise the Lord. So, we want to see here, the Bible says, and there was given to him much incense, that he should offer it with the prayers of all saints upon the golden altar which was before the throne. So, this is understood if we can look back in the Old Testament and how the high priest you know, uh, treated himself on the day of atonement. Listen, let's go to Leviticus 16 here. These are just winding up. And he shall take a censer. Who? The high priest. He shall take a censer full of burning coals of fire from off the altar before the Lord and his hands full of sweet incense, beaten small, and bring it within the veil. Are you together with me? And he shall put the incense upon the fire before the Lord, that the cloud of the incense may cover the master seat. That's upon the testimony that he die not. So the out of incense was in the middle court. But the priest had to take incense with him to the Holy of Holies on the day of atonement to qualify to atone for the people. And here we see the angel of the covenant holding the incense, not to qualify himself, but to qualify your prayers. Are you together with me? And the smoke of the incense, which came with the prayers of the saints, ascended up before God out of the angel's hand. Yes, because the sacrifice was still up yonder on the mercy seat. So this smoke had to ascend. I don't know whether you understand where we are and the privilege we have the boldness to enter into the holiest by the blood of Jesus Christ. What the seal has done for us, it has opened a way of communication. Let me tell you, friends, we are right here in the breach. God is preparing us, and the Lord himself has come down into divine fellowship with the bride of the Lord Jesus Christ. He's even willing to receive your prayers. The prophet says he notice this now. Now, if there's no altar of sacrifice in heaven, where's the sacrifice for sin laying then? <laughs> there has to be a place where the lamb that's slain, blood is laying there where the blood is. Now the incense was the odorous stuff that they burnt, which the Bible said was the prayers of the saints. If there isn't no sacrifice on the altar, then the prayers cannot be received. It's only by the blood of the sacrificial altar that lets the prayers go through to God. So here we are, friends. If we can understand where this message has placed us, 
nothing can stand before you. Not even a cancer. Can you imagine he comes down and he's standing by the altar waiting for you to pray? Waiting for you to put your petition forward. He has the incense ready. What do you need this morning? Any problem? What do you have need of? Lord, I've got a problem with this. I've got a problem with my character. A problem with my family. A problem with my job. A problem with that. Have you tried praying? He's here. You see, when we talk about the presence of God, should not be a decoration in the church. He's here to receive the prayers of the saints. He knows the season where we are. He knows how turbulent time has become. The parents are crying for their children. They want their children fortified by the word. Can we be able to tell God about that? This is the time that the bride realizes the power that we have over situations. He's here. He's here. And Brother Branham always realized his presence. A greater than Solomon is here. <laughs> A greater than all of them is here. Whom do you say this is? Who is this Melchizedek? He was seeing his presence. If in our Christian life, we can be able to realize that presence, things will happen in our lives. We always talk about things. Why don't we pray about things? And he is standing right here at the altar to handle your situations. Either you are addicted to this or you are addicted to that, pray. All things are possible to he that goes to God in prayer. God bless you so much. The angel at the altar is waiting for all of us to go before him in worship. He opened the way, and John realized it. John says, oh, heaven and earth had me, and under the sea, John, when I had lifted up my hands to pray, to worship the mighty one of Israel, to tell him how great thou art, O Jehovah. You are my shield and buckler. You are my shepherd I shall not want. The door is open for us to adore him, to worship him, to glorify him, to let him know how grateful we are that he has brought us that far. That he has brought us past the sea of glass. Our sin has been washed. Isn't he wonderful? God bless you. God bless you, brother.
Jessica. God bless you. Thank you so much. I'm casting all my cares upon you. Greatest story. That's the one we want. Yeah, that's the one. Casting yeah. all my cares on you. I know. Coming back for you 